Hey, still good to be back, huh? Wow-wee. That's theological for, that was awesome. Uh, Ecclesiastes, so, uh, grab your Bible, turn to Ecclesiastes. If you have no idea where the book of Ecclesiastes is, there's this beautiful thing at the beginning of every Bible called a table of contents. Use it. Uh, and uh, you'll find the book of Ecclesiastes sandwiched into the Old Testament, kind of in this series of books that are the poetic books, the wisdom literature, and uh, Ecclesiastes chapter two is where you need to be. As you turn there, uh, a movie came out in 1998. Robin Williams was the star. It's called The Dead Poet Society. And I've always kind of enjoyed this. I love when we had a substitute teacher in English class and we watched this movie. And uh, there's this beautiful scene at the beginning beginning of the movie. It's like Robin Williams' first day uh, on the job. Uh, this, this school, it's a boy, all-boy preparatory school. The, the boys uh, feel, are feeling the pressure from parents at home and from educators at the school, and Robin Williams comes in. And he's unorthodox in his teaching, and he's, he's bringing out all of these different things that the boys had never understood. And in the, this first scene of class, he brings them out to the trophy case, and he has them look into these old pictures into these faces of these, these, these boys who are now dead. And he, he's, he's in a very like Ecclesiastes-esque way. He, he's like, lean in, listen to them. What are they saying? Total Robin Williams type way. And he begins to whisper, carpe diem, carpe diem, carpe diem. What's carpe diem mean? Seize the day, seize the day. Um, the end of Ecclesiastes chapter two. Last week, we walked our way almost all the way through Ecclesiastes two, but we stopped short of the end. And, and um, last week, we were unpacking throughout chapter two, um, if you're looking for ultimate meaning or purpose for your life in pleasure, you won't find it. And in, in, in riches, you won't find it. If you're even looking for the ultimate meaning and purpose of your life in being the most wise person you can be, you won't find it there. If you're looking for it in work, you won't find it. In fact, all of the book of Ecclesiastes uh, kind of hinges on this statement. Seeking ultimate meaning in anything other than God is ultimately meaningless. And yet, at the end of chapter two, we find the first in a series of passages throughout the book of Ecclesiastes that are often called the carpe diem passages the seize the day passages. Now, this isn't some seize the day, like motivational mumbo jumbo, like YOLO type of our seize the day, kind of our culture thinks of it. Go do whatever you want, make yourself, no, it's the antithesis of that. Solomon's arguing, I've tried that. As we think about seizing the day, he goes, let me, let me unpack for you in the midst of my pursuit after meaninglessness, what have I found has actually brought great joy in this life under the sun? What does mean something? And you know what blows me away about every one of these carpe diem passages we find through the book of Ecclesiastes? They're so simple. Here's a guy who's richer than any of us in this room will ever know. Had more career success than any of us will ever sniff. Experienced more pleasurable experiences than any of us will ever experience. 
was next to Jesus, the wisest man who walked the face of the earth. And in these seize the day passages, he focuses on the joy in such simple things of everyday mundane life. And that's good news. Why? Because isn't there a sense where life just kind of has some everyday mundane things to it? You with me? Where's the joy in it? Solomon unpacks that. Now, it's important every single week for us to come back to how the book of Ecclesiastes ends. Because everything throughout the whole book has to be understood and framed in this summary we find at the end of the book. Ecclesiastes 12, and it's on the screen, it says this. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Next two words are, fear God. Fear God. And keep his commandments. To, for this is the whole duty of man. So the whole book, 11 chapters, takes us on this wandering path of like, go there. If that's your ultimate meaning, meaningless, try that. You think that'll ultimately fulfill? Meaningless. What is it, Solomon? Fear the Lord and keep his commandments. Now it's important for us to know up front, especially if you're in the room and you wouldn't consider yourself Christian, the only way to live a life in the fear of the Lord is to be in relationship with the Lord. The only way to be in relationship with, with the Lord is to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. The only way you know Jesus Christ as your Savior is to have placed your faith in him. To say, I believe I was created by a holy God. I believe I have sinned against this holy God. I believe in his love and his goodness towards me. He has sent his son to die for my sin, paying my penalty on my behalf. And I believe that the way I come into right relationship with this Savior is by faith alone, period. I can't earn my way to heaven. I can't be good enough to get there. And today can be the day you bow your knee in a fear of the Lord to the holiness of the Savior who came and who died for you. I pray that that would happen in your heart this morning if it is not. But once you're there, you can live your life in the fear of the Lord, no longer pursuing meaning, ultimate meaning and ultimate purpose and pleasure and riches and wisdom and work, and you can begin to be freed from the pursuit of those things and be freed to enjoying God and the enjoyment of the simple things that he gives us every day. And so today, in week two of the series, here's what we're focused on. Enjoying the beauty in a day. It's, there's beauty in a day. There is beauty in this everyday, mundane July, whatever it is, Sunday. There's beauty, there's a million instances, a million pictures of beauty that happened from the moment your alarm went off this morning. How do we live life enjoying walking in relationship with our good and holy God and enjoying the blessings of the beauty he gives us in a day as we come to this first carpe diem, seize the day passage. Solomon gets so simple with us. First point, 
is this. Seize the day to eat, drink, and enjoy your work. Seize the day to eat and drink and enjoy your work. Look at what it says in verse 24. After all of this chapter, look for this meaning, look for this, for the meaning. nope, 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 nope. Verse 24, there is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. Now, let's unpack this a bit. What does it mean to eat and drink and enjoy our work? Here's what the book of Ecclesiastes does so, so well. It reminds us to slow down, to slow down, Slow down. To take a bit of the lead foot off the accelerator of, uh, accelerator of our life and to enjoy these everyday blessings God is giving us. Solomon says, you know what's good? There's not much that beats sitting down to enjoy a meal. There's not much that beats the ability to go work, to go to work and to find enjoyment in it. There are meals to be shared and enjoyed and there's work to be done and enjoyed. So this verse is so simple. It, help us, it helps us to seek to enjoy the basic things that God has given us in a day. Uh, what he is doing here is he is pulling out the rhythms that happen in an everyday existence. I think all of us probably for the most part, unless you skip breakfast, eat three meals a day. We pull a chair up to a table with a regular rhythm every day. And Solomon's teasing out this regular rhythm, this mundane existence that many would say. And he's like, find the joy here. See the picture of what God is doing here. How often do we sit down at a full dinner table? Or if you're a college student in front of a hot pocket, and completely take it for granted. I took for granted full dinner tables my entire life until God entrusted four little babies to us. And I sit down now with food flying everywhere, and there's moments where I'm literally like, thank you, God, for food in front of my babies' faces. How often do we sit down at a dinner table and we take it for granted to not even think about the provision of God, to not even take in the enjoyment of the moment here? There's these rhythms. And Solomon's like, there's joy in the rhythms. This isn't just mundane existence. These are gifts from God. And we're, we're sitting here going, Pastor, can we talk about something deeper? You're talking about eating meals right now. What if this is deep? Why has God created us where we can't exist without pulling a chair up to a table? This is street-level theology that Solomon gets here. This, is, this isn't a, a matter of the mundane routines of life over here and the deeply sacred over here. What if the mundane of life is deeply sacred? And how do we pull a chair up to a table in a deeply sacred way? 
There's something that can happen if we, let me say it again, slow down, slow down, slow down. Enough to stop and ponder and worship as we sit at a table full of food by ourselves, with people we love, to realize without this, we cannot survive. And God is the giver of it. To worship our way through a meal, to actually be overcome with joy and gratefulness eating chicken and rice casserole. We have to slow down. We have to move at the pace of joy. What is the pace of joy? How do people who are enjoying something move? Think of a car buff at a car show. How do they move? Think of an art connoisseur at an art gallery. This is me at an art gallery. Don't get it, don't get it, don't get it, don't get it. Art connoisseur, they stop. They take it in. They say, did you notice what they did with these brush strokes over here? And I'm like, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. What would happen if we would move at the pace of joy? This wasn't in the notes, and there... The kids aren't, when the kids get old enough to know that I'm using them as sermon illustration, I'm going to pay them a dollar every time they get used. They don't know I'm using them yet. We call, um, our life moves at the pace of Trey. Trey's our three-year-old. We move at the pace of Trey. And I'm like, brother, let's go. And then there's moments where the, Lord, the Lord's like, I'm teaching you, I'm teaching you, I'm teaching you. Watch him. He's just taking it in. He's just enjoying the stroll. To move at the pace of joy. What if that is how God intended it? Oh, I, again, I went to Ecclesiastes coming out of COVID because I think um, maybe for the first time in a while, some people began to go, we can linger over the dinner table. Why? Because we ain't got nowhere to go after this anyway. There's nowhere to be, not much to do. We can linger. What if that could become more normal? And what if God wants to do some sacred things in those moments? Solomon, who experienced all that, things we can't even imagine, says there's nothing better for a person that he should eat and drink. And then he So before I go to the work part, let me just ask a few questions. Can I encourage you to cultivate a culture of slow, thankful, worshipful meals? Listen, I know, depending your life stage and what life around the table looks like, that looks very different for a lot of us. But what does slow and thankful and worshipful meals look like? What if God has made this in the very way he's created us to to be sustained by meal times what if god has made this to be times of rest and reflection and enjoyment of him and of each other 
where the one back to the idols we're fleeing from, the meaninglessness that we talked about last week, where the one who's now freed from feverishly trying to find meaning and making money or riches or wisdom or pleasure can stop and can actually enjoy without going, but there's this to do, I gotta go do this, gotta do this, gotta do this, gotta do this. How can mealtime become a sacred time for you or for you as a family, or for you with friends. To thank God and be grateful and enjoy. And so he's bringing up just these normal rhythms in an everyday life. We've got to eat. We all got to eat. Three times a day, we pull a chair up to a table. In my case, six times a day. And we eat. He brings up this other rhythm. We got to work. We go to work. You know, every single one of us in here works. Some of us get up and we go to an assembly line. Others of us get up and we go to a building site. Others of us get up and we go, go to an office. Others of us get up and we work from home. Others of us get up and we uh, raise the kids in a home and we manage the affairs of the household. All of us work. And Solomon says there's great joy. We can find enjoyment in this Work, 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 work. One of everyone's favorite things to complain about, right? How we aren't satisfied in our work. We're trying for uh, uh, something else to get that career over here, to, to work for that company over here, to climb the ladder here. We don't find the purpose in our job right now. We don't like the same old, same old. I show up every day, Monday through Friday. I do the same thing. Relationships are hard. They're hard with a boss or they're hard with a coworker. Work, work, work. And as Solomon said last week, then we go home and our heads hit the pillow and work can eat up our minds and it robs us of rest. And we can think, oh, God gave us work because it's a consequence of sin, right? Wrong. The thorns and thistles of work is a consequence of sin. But God created work pre-fall. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis, did you know this? Genesis 2 comes before Genesis 3. <laughs> the Lord God took the man. Genesis 3 is where sin happens. This is Genesis 2. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to what? Works beautiful, y'all. If you look at it to be the God of your life, it won't be beautiful. It'll chew you up and spit you out so fast you don't even know what hit you. But work as worship to God is beautiful, y'all. Work is good. Work that carries you to the assembly line or to the building site or to the office or uh, in your own home, taking care of the little ones, managing the affairs. Work is good. Work is worship to the Lord. And we can enjoy it. Do you know that? possible. And you're like, you're right. I will enjoy it when I get a new job. That's when I'll enjoy it. Maybe or maybe not. Maybe you need to find the joy in your job in the one God has given you right now. Maybe what you don't need is a career change. Maybe what you need is an attitude change. 
Maybe you need to be freed from the belief that your job or your career was supposed to fill your purpose tank in a way that it can never really do. Maybe God has created all of that angst and ugh inside of you to lead you to himself to say, don't, let, don't make that your God, let me be your God. Where is the joy in your work? The relationships. The opportunity to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Even the super grumpy coworker. Even complaining Carl. You know him, you got him at work. The opportunity to love our neighbor as ourselves, the opportunity to create. I am blown away by the creatives on our staff. They just create, and they, it's amazing. And then I walk in, I'm like, okay, what about this, guys? What if we, and they're like, oh, yeah, like, just go back into your office. <laughs> when we create, we mirror the image of God who's a creator. Creating is worshiped him. The, the ability to produce, those of you who work in producing something, it mirrors the image of God who produces. Uh, the ability to serve, those of you in the service industry, to serve with a Christ-like affection to serve. And I'm always so encouraged when I come across someone who you can tell truly enjoys the work they are doing. I experienced the extremes of this. Uh, last week, I was flying. It's such a weird time to fly right now. Everything's empty. So on my flight back to Indy, there were 12 people on the plane. For the first time in my life, I was the first guy on the plane. <laughs> I walked down the jet. You know, they scanned my ticket. I walked down the jetway. I turn, and I walk onto the plane, and there's a flight attendant right She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, flying? Why are you on here? I'm like, I think you're talking to the rod. Like, they scanned the ticket. I walked the jetway. I'm on the plane. Like, oh, they don't, and it's just grumpy grace, we'll call it, right? Like, and I'm just like, sit down in my seat. I'm like, whoa, I just got like, you know, I'm so excited. First time ever, first one on the plane. And I just got like lit into by grumpy grace. Uh, flight, flight uh, the other way, back where, I don't know, coming or going. This guy, flight attendant, like, he made flying one of the most fun things that's happened in my life since COVID hit, okay? <laughs> Dude loved his job. Created an experience and an environment that was absolutely awesome. As followers of Jesus Christ, I don't care if you're living your dream gig right now or not, when we understand that the work isn't the end-all be-all, but the worship of God through the work and the love of God through the work and the love of people and the ability to mirror his image as a creator, as a producer, as a server, it can allow us to find deep, deep joy in whatever we're doing and wherever God has us right now. Come on, y'all. Tomorrow morning can look different. When the alarm goes off tomorrow, we can open the eyelids and go, thank you, Lord, that I get the privilege to go to work. Make that your, you know, cut that little snippet from the sermon and wake up to that tomorrow morning. Verse 25, Solomon says, 
For apart from him, apart from God, who can eat? Or who can have enjoyment? These things are gifts from God. There is no eating. There is no enjoying apart from him. And so carpe diem passage, he's pulling out the beauty and the mundanity of the everyday existence. The living in a way that's worshipful to God. Then he goes to another area. And so I want to move to the second point here and real quickly land the plane here. Uh, Seize the day in this way every day to enjoy the wisdom and the blessings and the joy you receive from Christ. Verse 26, for to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy every single day we can seize the day for the wisdom and the knowledge and the joy that God has baked into it to the sinner he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give uh, give to the one who pleases God this is vanity and a striving after the wind, but to the, to the godly, to the man and the woman of God, he bestows wisdom, he bestows knowledge, he bestows joy in our everyday mundane existence. So let's talk about these. Where's the joy of knowledge in a day? Knowledge, to understand something that I previously did not understand. To be working on the swing set for my kids and to be figuring out how does this angle work here and, and, and how, do, how do I build this here and then to stand back and see it built and for them to swing on it and then not all topple over. Thank you, Jesus. To watch a little, little kid take the training wheels off their bike, to run next to them, to watch them get their equilibrium, their little heads and their little bodies figuring it out, to watch them go on two wheels. The joy in that. To be stumped on a project at work, to come at it from every angle you can think of, to see the lights come on in your head when you finally get it. The joys of just simple knowledge in a day are gifts from God. Wisdom, knowledge applied to live out the principles of how God created the world to work, to see the areas you've grown in wisdom, where you used to step in that that trap every single time, and you now go, whoa, 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 there's a trap there. Let me walk the wide road around that trap. Thank you, Lord, to watch wisdom begin to sink its teeth into the brain of your kids, to watch wisdom grow in the people you love. The whole existence of man is to live in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Where there is wisdom, there's joy. Let's talk about joy. For the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. I'm talking about enjoying the joy. Let's enjoy the joy. Let's enjoy the joy that Christ gives us. Let's enjoy the joy of last night. Okay, last night, storm clouds, dark, dark storm clouds, Sunset peaks under dark storm clouds. This is real. This isn't, I'm not making up a story. It's real. I'm standing on the edge of my yard 
looking at the sunset under the storm clouds, beautiful sunset next to beautiful lightning storm. And I'm like, joy. We can drink that in or we can go binge on Netflix. Which would we choose to enjoy these simple things in a day? Y'all, Dad, are you with me? It's everywhere. It's everywhere. The beauty of a day and the joy that God wants us to drink in because of it. Every day, God brings gifts of knowledge and wisdom and joy. He's developing us. He's teaching and training us. He's growing us. Instead of being frustrated over something that's hard for you to get, that you need breakthrough in, to slow down and to enjoy the process and to say, God, you're teaching me. I don't get it yet. I don't get it yet, but I'm going to. You're going to help me. Instead of throwing hammers, never done it. I pray that I have, I have done it. To say, I'm learning, God. And to see the breakthrough on the other side, the joy of that. Instead of walking down roads only for it to lead a dead end, to stand at the dead end, to go, Lord, thank you for the wisdom to know this is a dead end. I'm going to head back that way, and I'm not going to walk this way anymore. But Lord, thank you for the lesson. This is a perspective shifter. From a guy who drank in more money, pleasure, career, success, and wisdom than any of us have ever known. He said, you want, you want to know what's awesome? Sit at a table over a great meal with people you love. Find the joy in your work. Man, those are gifts from God. Enjoy the blessings of him teaching you some things about knowledge and wisdom and joy. Man, those are gifts from God. It really is the simple things, huh? Y'all, seize the day to enjoy Christ and all today's blessings from him. Seize the day to that end, which leads me to the homework for this week. Two things. First one, I want you to write down everything you find joy in today. Every single day. Write that just, I'm finding joy in this. Even if you're not a journaler, I mean, you're carrying a smartphone around in your pocket, pull it out, open the notes app, and just jot quick bullet points. The, man, the joy in a stormy sunset. The joy in what my kids were talking about at dinner time. Man, the joy in just crawling into bed, going to sleep. Like, write it down. We go so fast to not enjoy the joys that God gives every day. Second thing, write down the new things God taught you today. He's teaching us every day. He's teaching us about knowledge. He's teaching about wisdom. He's teaching us about joy every single day. What'd you learn? Write it down. Talk about it at dinner time. You know those slow, unhurried dinners we're all going to have? Talk about them. What's he teaching you? How's he growing you? And, and, and don't separate out the mundane thing, like, oh, that, that, no, no, no. I learned how to do that math problem at school. Praise the Lord. 
Let's thank God for that. This could be a perspective shifter, y'all. Used a lot of y'alls today. You know it's a good sermon when there's a lot of y'alls. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Let me send us out of here. Throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, most people come to the end and are deeply discouraged or despairing because for 11 chapters, it is that's meaningless, that's meaningless, that's meaningless, that's meaningless. If you want ultimate meaning there, you won't find it. Chapter 12 is beautiful. Fear the Lord and keep his commandments. When we live in that, scattered throughout this book are these carpe diem passages. Here are the blessings of the simplicity of the gifts that God gives us in a life of fearing the Lord. And so, church family, let's go. Let's enjoy lunch and let's linger over it. Find the joy in the work that God has given us. Let's rejoice in the knowledge and the wisdom and the joy that he scatters in a day. And let's enjoy him in the process. Redeemer, you're loved and you're sent.